Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, New Community Church. I hope all of you guys are doing good this morning, and it is so good to see each and every one of you here. We're glad that you're joining us, and if you're new around here, maybe it's your first or second week, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at NCC, and you've picked a great week to come. We're kicking off this brand new series called Elephant in the Room, and we're going to have some fun together in this series. You know, our life is faced with a lot of tough questions, and that's what we're going to be doing the next few weeks is addressing the elephant in the room. You know, our world is really different, and a lot of us, we can interact on social media with people around the world that have a lot of different worldviews, very different from what we see or what we think. And you turn on the TV and there's all of these tough topics and tough issues about sexuality and what's okay and what isn't okay. And, and many times we try to avoid some of those topics. We don't know where we can talk about them or what we can say about them, but we really want to take the next few weeks. And as the church, we want to address the elephant in the room and tackle some of these tough topics and see what the word of God says and how we should respond as believers and as Christians together. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. And as we kick off this series, I want to take a few moments and I want to just talk about the heart of this series and kind of what we're wanting God to do in our church together as we walk through this series together. You know, um, as we go through this, once again, as we're looking at some of these tough topics, as we're addressing the elephant in the room, our goal is that as Christians, we would know why we believe what we believe. We think that we should be able to do that. Do we know why we believe what we believe in. Can we give an answer for that? And so we're going to look at some, once again, some of these topics, and we're going to ask God to speak to us. We're going to wrestle with some of these ideas and think through some of these tough things that we face in the world around us and the, that we have to address. And so our prayer is that you would grow in knowledge, that you would learn some things, or God would remind you of some things. And, and the reason, once again, why we believe what we believe, some of these core things in Christianity. But it's not just so that you would grow in knowledge, so you would say, hey, I'm a smarter Christian, or I'm a smarter person that goes to church. But it, it's so that it would open up discussion, so that you would be able to have a dialogue with others. There's this dangerous thought in our world today, in the world around us, where people say, you know what, if you don't see the world as I see it, if you don't believe what I believe, then you hate me as an individual, and that's not true. And sometimes we may even think that, that you know, we can't be friends with someone or we can't interact with them because they see the world differently, but that's not what we see in Scripture. That's not what we see in the Bible. You know, this past week, Sarah and I were celebrating on Monday our 18-year anniversary. And so, man, pretty crazy. Yep. Sarah's put up with me for 18 years. I don't know how she's done it, but we've made it through. And so on Monday, we were celebrating together and we were hanging around Dallas. And for lunch, we went to North Park Mall and we went to Maggiano's, one of our favorite Italian restaurants. And as we were there, um, the waiter came up and asked, hey, are you guys here for any specific reason? And so we told him, hey, yeah, we're celebrating 18 years and started to talk to him and real friendly guy. And so he kept on coming um, back at different points, you know, asking us if we needed anything. And he would kind of jump into the conversation. 
And so every time it seemed like he stayed a little bit longer there. And, and then the last time he just pulled up a chair, you guys. So he just sat down and I guess he just felt comfortable and he just started talking to us. And I mean, we talked to him for quite a while and we opened up about our life and he opened up about his life. And we got into some deep topics um, halfway through. I'm like, I don't even know how we're talking about this, but we started talking about some deep stuff. And as Sarah and I left, so we were walking just around North Park Mall, I turned to Sarah and I was like, man, it's always so hard when I have those conversations. Because over the course of that, as he began to share, I thought, man, his life is very different than ours. And his worldview and the way that he's living is probably very different from what I believe as a Christian and what I think. But man, I had this desire. I'm like, I just want to get to know more about this guy. He was a super great guy. And I was like, man, I just want to be friends with him and, and get to know him more. And I believe that as Christians, we should have that desire. We should not have this side agenda as Christians that, hey, we're just here to convert you. And we can be in a relationship together as long as you believe what I believe. And, and if not, I'm going to kind of throw you to the side and I'm going to move on and find the next person that I can try to convert. That's not what we see in the life of Jesus. And that's not what we see in the Bible. But we see, man, we're meant to be in relationship with people. And even people that disagree with us, we should be praying, God, use what we know. God, use the conversations. Use the truth that you've placed in our heart to help other people see who you are, God, and to know more about you and to, to see that be a demonstration of your love and your character and who you are. And so that's part of our prayer is just that throughout this series, as we address some of these tough topics, that you would have more discussions. Maybe you would see new opportunities that you haven't seen before where you can begin to dialogue with people and talk to people um, and address some of these tough topics that we face together. And so I wanna encourage you all throughout this series, please, 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 please take notes, okay? So there's a little sermon card in front of you. You can reach right now and take that out. If you have a smartphone, you can write down some of these things. I promise you, you're not going to be able to memorize it all. Um, and so I want you to write it down and to go back later throughout the week, this week, next week, and in these upcoming weeks, and just look at those things that you've written down and ask God, what do I really believe about that? What do I think about that? How do I handle that topic? And how do I address that? And so today, the elephant in the room that we're going to address is the religious elephant may seem a little bit weird, but this morning we're going to talk about some other world religions, some other world views, and, and how Christianity lines up with that, how it's different from Christianity. So we're going to address the religious elephant in the room. And as we do this every week, we're going to recommend like a resource or something that'll help take the conversation forward. And so this morning, it's this book, Can Man Live Without God? Um, by a great apologist, Christian apologist named Dr. Ravi Zacharias. And he goes to different universities all around the world and he discusses why we believe in the Christian religion, why we believe in the Christian faith. And so if you're interested in this conversation, this is a great book to have. And I'm going to give this away this morning. Does anyone want this? Someone? Okay, right here. Karen, I saw your hand go up first, so I'm going to run that right to you. There you go. I um, want to encourage you guys, but you can pick this up like on Amazon, um, at a Christian bookstore, Barnes and Nobles. I mean, it, it's all over. Um, he's a well-known author. And so I want to encourage you, this is a great way to continue the conversation and take it forward. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning is the religious elephant in other worldviews. And the word of God encourages us to do this. You may not know that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start reading at verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. 
And I want to encourage you, take that Bible out, open it up to page 589, and you can follow along with us in the scripture. And if you don't own a Bible, you don't have a Bible at your house, that's our gift to you. It's one of the gifts that we have for you this morning. We believe in the word of God, and we believe that it changes us. And so I want to encourage you to continue to go back to scripture and read what God's word says and allow God to speak to you through his word. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3, this is a number of years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he's already gone back to heaven. And Peter is one of the disciples, one of the 12 guys that followed Jesus around while he was here on this earth. And Peter's writing to the church, a church living in the Roman culture, very different from what they believed as Christians. He's writing to them about how they should be living their life. And this is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So have a reason, be able to give a defense of what it is, the hope that lives inside of you, but yet do it with gentleness and respect. What is Peter saying? Is he saying, hey, as a Christian, as a part of the church, the body of Christ, you should be able to talk to other people. Why do you believe that Jesus is the answer? Why do you believe that Christianity is the way? You should be able to give a defense for that. But when you're doing that, when you're discussing with other people and you're wrestling with some of these ideas, how do we know that Jesus is real? And you're looking at some of these things, there's a way that you do it. As Christians, we don't force people into Christianity, okay? You don't look at someone and say, I'm going to beat you up if you don't pray this prayer or anything like that. You don't hold a gun to someone's head. That's not um, part of the Christian worldview, how we make converts. What does he say? You do it with gentleness and you do it with respect. You're honoring of what they say. You have this open dialogue and this open discussion, even with people that see the world very different than you do, but you should be able to give a reason. This is why I believe what I believe. This is why I see the world in this way. And so the scripture encourages us to do that. And so we want to jump in this morning and look at that, look at some other world religions and what Christianity looks like in comparison with these. And so I want to start um, as we look at the religious elephant in the room by giving us a framework of these different worldviews. And you can write this down. There are three kind of overarching categories that all worldviews fall into. And so the first is polytheistic. It's just a big word for worldviews that believe in multiple gods. So there are worldviews that believe there's not just one God, but there's multiple gods. And these gods are kind of battling it out against each other, or they're battling over the different souls of man. Some gods are good, some gods are evil, and they're trying to control humanity, or they're interacting with humanity in different ways. This is a polytheistic worldview. If you studied like Greek mythology or even um, ancient Roman history, they had that kind of worldview. Hinduism, which is well known um, in our culture and in our time, is a polytheistic worldview. And so Hindus believe that there are multiple gods. Um, some Hindus believe counting up into the hundreds of thousands of gods um, that are interacting with mankind and um, are working in our universe and in our world, a polytheistic worldview. The second is a monotheistic worldview. And as you may have gathered from the first one, this is a singular view of God, that there is only one true God. There's not multiple gods out there. There's not a God of good and God of evil. There's only one true God out there. Monotheistic worldview. This is a worldview that Muslims believe in. They worship the God Allah that um, Christians and Jews believe in. And so this is a monotheistic worldview. They believe that there is one God. The last kind of overarching category is an atheistic worldview. 
Now, you may be sitting there thinking, wait, atheists, they're religious people, okay? They're not spiritual people. They don't have a worldview, but actually they do. And their worldview says, you know what? There is no God. There's no creator. There's no designer. There's no all-powerful being or all-spiritual being kind of controlling or interacting with mankind. And that's an atheistic worldview. And there are some religions that believe that. There are people that would have an evolutionary bent in their worldview that would believe that, that, that there was no kind of all powerful being that created all of this. There was just a matter that kind of expanded, and that's how we got to where we are at. Buddhism, which is accepted by millions of people, lends itself to an atheistic worldview. There is no supreme being that we're all moving towards a state of enlightenment and that there's a spiritual force that we all share together, but there's not one powerful being out there controlling everything. And so there's this atheistic worldview that many people have. And so these are the overarching categories. And when you start to look at these, it leads us to the first topic that we want to kind of touch on this first question, and that is this, how can Christianity be right and all other religions be wrong? You guys, this is a tough one. When we start to look at this and think through, hey, how can we say that what we believe is right and people that seem to be good, people that are trying to live their life and that are very sincere, how can we look at them and say other religions are wrong, what they believe is wrong. I mean, after all, you look at all of these religions and you think, you know what? They believe in a God. We believe in a God, right? They have a holy scripture, some kind of holy text. We have a holy scripture. We have a holy text. They're trying to teach people to be good. We're trying to teach people to be good. And so kind of, couldn't they all be right? Like, couldn't we all just kind of be moving in the same direction? How can Christianity be right and all other religions be wrong? And when we're talking with people, when we're interacting with people, There are some certain laws that guide our discussion. We don't often think about them, but we all kind of agree to them because it's what helps us have like a logical discussion, even outside of religion. And one of those laws that's important that I want to give to you this morning that will help us with this question right here is this law right here. It's called the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction. And this is what it simply means. It means that two statements that oppose each other or contradict each other cannot be true in the same time and in the same place. Let me illustrate this for you right here, right here real quick, okay? So let's say you came to church on a Sunday morning, and you're sitting here and you're hearing me talk, but for some reason on this particular Sunday morning, your eyesight has gone out, okay? So you can't see really what's going on. And all of a sudden, the person on the right of you leans over and they say, hey, Pastor Aaron has a really cool blue and white checkered shirt on. And then in that same moment, someone else on the other side leans over and they say, hey, Pastor Aaron has a really cool red and green checkered shirt on. Your mind would start to evaluate and you would come to a few assumptions pretty quickly. One assumption may be this person over here is colorblind, okay? They cannot see the color of shirt that Pastor Aaron has on. The other one may be Pastor Aaron's changing his shirt really quickly on the stage and I don't know why. He's switching shirts in the middle of his message. The other may be, hey, this guy's lying to me. Okay? One of these people is lying. Why? Because those statements contradict each other. You wouldn't think, hey, his shirt can be blue and white checkered, and at that same moment, red and green checkered. Those are contradictory statements, and so someone's not telling the truth there. And it's like that with worldviews and with other religions. All of these statements can't be true because they contradict each other. You cannot have a worldview that says there's multiple gods interacting with humanity and a contradicting one that says, no, there's only one God interacting with humanity. And at the same time, one that says, no, there is no God. And all of those be true at the same time and at the same place. It doesn't work. They're contradictory statements. 
You can't have a worldview that says there is no good and evil and another one that says, no, there is good and evil. It matters how we interact with each other as humanity. Those statements are contradictory, and so they all can't be true. They're against each other. These are just basic fundamental laws that we have and that we have to abide by. And so it leads us to this belief that all religions can't be true. It could be a logical possibility that all religions are wrong. Somehow we've all missed it. No one's got it right. But it cannot be that all religions are all right at the same time and at the same place. It doesn't work. Those statements contradict each other. And so if all religions can't be right, how did we come to the understanding that we believe Christianity is right? Why not Hinduism? Why not Buddhism? Why not Islam? And so let's look at that. How do we know that Christianity is right? And in every worldview, every world religion that's out there has to answer these four questions that bring meaning to life. And so they have to be able to answer these questions. And you can see them up here on the screen. The first is this right here. Every worldview has to answer, where did we come from? How did we get here, you guys? So once again, there's some worldviews that said there was this kind of powerful ball of matter, this force, and it expanded and the universe began to expand and things began to evolve. And we've come to this state in humanity exactly like, like we are. And that answers the question, where did we come from? Other worldviews would say, no, there was an all-powerful being and he loved his creation and he bent down and he breathed life into man and woman and he created everything that we see with his spoken word. That answers the question, where did we come from? The second question, why am I here? And this answers the question of meaning and purpose. Every worldview has to answer the question, what is even the purpose of life? Why are we even here? What brings meaning to life? The third question is this, what do I do while I'm here? This addresses the issue of good and bad, um, right and wrong, morals and values, okay? Every worldview has to answer that. And so some worldviews would say, it doesn't matter what you do while you're here. If it feels good, do it. There is no good and evil. This is just a made-up state in our mind. And other worldviews would say, no, it does matter. And every worldview has to answer the issue of evil, not just evil that we see out in the world, but what about the evil you see in your own heart? How does that worldview deal with the evil that we find in ourselves, the bad decisions that we make, the mistakes and the faults that we see in our own life? Does the worldview answer that question of what do we do while I'm here? And the final is what happens when I die? Some would say nothing. You just get buried in the ground and your body fuels the circle of life. And others would say, no, you're reincarnated. What you do here matters and you're going to come into some other kind of spiritual state after this. And some would say, no, it's not that. It's that what you do here on this earth has an effect into eternity. You're either going to spend eternity with God or eternity separated from God. Every worldview has to answer these questions and they have to do it in a way that makes sense and that is truthful and that works in our world. So when they're answering these questions, they just can't come up with arbitrary things or just arbitrary reasons. It has to actually make sense in the world that we live in. And so when you're looking at worldviews, is Christianity right or other religions wrong? And how they answer these, you have to look at these three things as well. Does it make sense? The answer that that worldview gives to these four questions, does it make sense? Okay. Does it work out logically? This is considered logical consistency, and this is simply what it means. There's a worldview, okay, that is atheistic in nature. There is no all-powerful being out there, okay? There's no supreme being, but in this worldview, they say, you know what? You should pray every day. You should pray for guidance. You should pray for direction, and they have people do this certain act as they're praying. They're, they're turning this thing, and, and that's a major part of this worldview. It's upheld by millions 
but it lends itself to this question. If there is no all-powerful being, if there is no God, who are you praying to? Where are your words going? Who's giving you guidance? Who's giving you direction? And so you have to ask the question, wait, does that worldview make sense in the world around us? Like, does it actually work? Who am I praying to if there is no God out there? And so that worldview starts to break down. The second thing is when they're answering those four questions, where did I come from? Why am I here? Where's the meaning of life? You have to answer, is it true? Is it true to what we know about the world around us? Okay. And so there's a worldview that upholds in their sacred text. Their sacred text is infallible. And what it says in there cannot be questioned. That's what this worldview believes. And in this sacred text, they uphold that Jesus was a great prophet, that he was not the son of God. And it says this, he never died upon the cross. He never experienced a crucifixion. He never died in that way. But yet when you go outside of Christian literature and you go into Roman historical documents that have been found through archaeological digs, you go into Greek old official letters that were written from, written from Greek official to Greek official, you go into Jewish historians, none of who are Christian, all of them verify the truth that there was a man named Jesus who lived in the nation of Israel around the city of Jerusalem who was crucified on a Roman cross. So you have to start to ask the question of that worldview, wait, is that true? when they're specifically denying a fact that can be verified, that worldview starts to break down because it's not true. And the last thing is, does it work? What that worldview is asking you to do, does it work in your life? Does it work in the world that you live in? Can you actually live that out and it makes sense and it fits into your worldview and what you're doing in life? So there's a worldview that says, you know what? It doesn't matter what you do. If it feels good to you, then do it. There's no real good and evil. There's no bad. There's no right and wrong. Everyone's just kind of made that up in their mind. There's no moral lawgiver, and so there is no moral law. There's no standard by which we could be judged by. And Ravi Zacharias, this book that we talked about, is talking with someone who has that worldview. And this is the question that he asked him. He says, you don't believe in right. You don't believe in wrong. You don't believe there's a moral lawgiver, that there's a God out there. What would happen if I took a young baby and I set him here on the stage? And then someone in the audience came up and began to brutally assault that young kid, that young child. How would you feel about that? This guy doesn't know how to answer. He's saying, I, I, don't, I wouldn't like it. Uh, it wouldn't feel good. He didn't want to say it was wrong, but he's trying to dance around it. And this Christian apologist said, you're going to have to deal with that issue inside of you. Why is that feeling there that it's wrong? Even though in your words you're saying there is no good and evil, how do you deal with that issue that something inside of you is not okay with that, that there's something bad about that? It's because there is a moral lawgiver. There is a God. He's created humanity in his image, and we have his reflection, and it does matter how we treat one another. And so you have to ask, does the worldview that someone you're talking to or maybe that you're questioning, does it actually work in the society and the world that we live in, or does it start to fall apart? See, church, this is what we believe as Christians. We believe that Christianity gives the best set of answers to those four questions that align with reality. It aligns with truth and the world that we live in. Is Christianity right and other religions are wrong? Yes, that is true. Why? 
because it answers how we got here, that there is a God who's a loving God who created everything that we see in the world, that he bent down over man and woman and he breathed the breath of life into them and that we were created in the image of our God. It answers why we're here, that you were made with a purpose, you were given a plan, God has a plan for your life and he's created you in his image and you're meant to worship God and you're meant to be in relationship with others. It brings meaning and it brings purpose to your life. What do you do while you're here? It answers the issue of evil. We see evil outside, we see evil inside of us, and it's answered through the cross of Jesus Christ, that you're broken and that I'm broken, and that we can't fix our evilness on our own, we can't fix our brokenness on our own, but Jesus came to the cross and he gave his life, why? To answer the issue of evil in the world, he was the sacrifice that God required. It answers what happens when we're gone, that what we do here matters, that we can either accept or reject a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's going to affect eternity. The way we live brings eternal life into our hearts. See, we believe as Christians that Christianity gives the best set of answers to those four questions that once again align with truth, that make sense, and that work in the way that we live out our faith. So do we believe that? Yes, we believe that Christianity is right. And although there may be bits of truth in other religions that they begin to fall apart and they begin to break down as we address that question, how can Christianity be right and all other religions be wrong? It's because God provides that coherent set of answers, that logical answer to those four questions. The second topic that we wanna address is this. Do all good people get into heaven? Like you may have heard people say that, right? Like Hindus are trying to be good, Buddhists are trying to be good, Muslims are trying to be good, Christians are trying to be good. Like we're all just trying to be good. So, so maybe it's not all right, but if we're just all good people, can't we all just make it into heaven then? Like can't we get to God and have that relationship with God? And when you start to look at this idea, it's formed around this idea of moralism. Once again, if we're all good people, if we can all just be good, then eventually we can get there, we can get to God, and we can get to heaven, even if parts of what we believe weren't exactly right. And when you start to look at this, you have to answer this question, what is good? You guys, what is good? Are you good? Am I good? Is it the person in prison? Am I better than the person maybe that's locked up that we view as a criminal? Am I saying, hey, he's bad, so therefore I'm good. So that means that I'm a little bit better than he is and I can get into heaven. Are you the standard? Am I the standard? Who's the standard? Is it your neighbor? Is it your coworker? Is it someone that you think is doing a little bit worse than you so you feel a little bit better about yourself? See, there's gotta be some standard when we start to ask the question, do good people get into heaven? Don't all good people get into heaven? Can't we just make it there if we try to be good enough? But you guys, the Bible teaches us we're not the standard. There's one person that's the standard, and that's God. And you start to look at your life, and I start to look at my life, and we're talking about an all-powerful creator. We're talking about a God who is holy and who is righteous, who is so far from us that we can't even imagine the best things that we bring to him. They're like dirty rags in front of him, and we're trying to say, God, I think I'm good enough to get into heaven. We're not the standard he is. And Jesus helps us understand this in the Gospels. He said, you want to talk about being good? You think you're good enough to get in? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a lustful thought? Like, have you ever thought about someone in an inappropriate way? Maybe in a sexual way that wasn't honoring to them, that wasn't respecting of them, or wasn't respecting of a, th of a spouse? Maybe you've never done anything with it. Maybe you didn't act upon it, but you had that thought. Jesus says, oh yeah, you're an adulterer. Hey, let me ask you this. You ever got mad at someone and hated them? 
Like under your breath, you're wishing, I wish they would just die. I wish something would happen to them. I wish God would get back at them. Like you've ever had a thought like that? I have. Jesus says, oh yeah, you're a murderer. Is a murderer good enough? Is an adulterer good enough? Is a liar good enough? Is a thief good enough? Is that good enough to get into heaven? See, we start to realize when we're not the standard, but when God is, none of us are good enough to make it in, you guys. None of us are good enough to get there on our own. That's why Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets into heaven except through me because you're not good enough on your own. I'm not good enough on my own. And we're broken people in desperate need of a God who will save us. And so he came and he gave his life and he said, my life will be the sacrifice that you need. My life and what I've done will pay the price for the sin in your life. I'll cover you with my righteousness. You're not good enough on your own. It's okay. I'll cover you with my goodness, with my perfection, with my righteousness. My father will no longer see you as you are. He'll see you through my eyes, through my covering over your life. See, you're not good enough. And if we could be good enough, what would the Christian God be like? Can you imagine a God, if you could just be good enough and get into heaven, that would take a part of himself, that would take the very one that he loves, his one and only son, and would wrap him in flesh and give him to the world? Why? So that the world could spit upon him? So the world could betray him? So the world could reject him? So the world could crucify him, drive nails into his hands and feet, and suffocate him on a cross? One of the most excruciating ways to die, this form of suffocation. Why? Just because we needed another option, you guys? Just because there may be another way? No, he did it because there was no other way. There was no other way to gain access to God. It's only through the person of Jesus Christ. He had to give himself in that way. He had to sacrifice himself. Why? Because we're not good enough on our own. We can't do it by ourselves, church. We're desperately in need of a God who will rescue us and redeem us and save us. Do all good people get into heaven? The answer is no. We don't. We only gain access to God through the person of Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, and as we accept that over our own lives. That's how we get in, and our relationship with God is restored. The last topic that I want to look at is this idea right here. We've looked at some other worldviews and some other religions and why Christianity is right and others are wrong and do all good people get into heaven. And I want us to look at the Christian worldview and excuse me, look at this question right here. Is God okay with so many different churches? So is God okay with so many different churches? So it's just looking at Christians. And since I've been here, I've had different people that they'll start coming to New Community Church and they like something about it. Maybe it's a little different from the church that they came from. And so they'll I've had people come up to me and ask me, hey, Aaron, I used to go to such and such church. Or I used to go to this church on the other side of Mesquite, but I really like New Community Church. And then they've asked me, is it okay if I change religions? Like, is that okay? Is God going to get mad at me? So let's talk about that for a second. Um, these churches that many of us are a part of uh, that are here in Mesquite, they're not other religions. They're a part of the Christian faith. And how do we get that? We get the Christian faith because right after the time of Jesus, right after his death and resurrection, there was a group of individuals that followed him around. They're known as the disciples or apostles. It was this group of men. And after Jesus was gone, after he had ascended back into heaven, these disciples, they got together and they talked about what's the core of this thing that we're calling a faith in Christ? What's the core of this thing of our belief in God and who Jesus is and what it means to accept him in our life? And they came up with something called the Apostles' Creed. 
It was this thing that they would say to each other whenever they got um, together. And it was this foundational belief, kind of this orthodox belief um, that they had these solid beliefs that, hey, here's what it means to be a Christian. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but they were things like, hey, in order to really be a part of this, you have to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life that his death has something to do with our salvation and our redemption, that God is sanctifying us through that, that the word of God is powerful, that it's given by God, that it's inspired, and there's something unique about the Bible that's unlike any other book. So there were these things that as they got together as a church in times like this, they would say to one another, hey, here's what we believe. Hey, let's not forget this. This is the core of who we are together. This builds the foundation of Christian beliefs. And so There are churches that may look a little bit different, may have um, different distinctions, different things about them, but that uphold to those beliefs, and those are Christian churches. It's all part of the same religion, all part of the same worldview if they uphold those kind of foundational, fundamental beliefs there. Now, you have other churches that call themselves Christian churches, but they've strayed away from those foundational beliefs, and those are known as cults. They've taken a part of Christianity and they've twisted it. They've added to the Bible. They've added to scripture. They've added their own elements and they've strayed away from what are those foundational beliefs that we uphold as Christians. And they're not part of this same religion. They're actually a cult and they're going in a different direction. They've created their own picture of God in their mind and they're not following the God of the Bible or his son, Jesus Christ. And so is God okay in his church, in these foundational belief churches that uphold the Bible in these core practices, is God okay that there's different churches? Like, why isn't it just one large church? Why why are we, you know, in different places and in all of those things? And let me illustrate it to you like this. We live in the United States of America, right? I'm assuming most people in this room that you do. And I don't know about you, but I feel truly blessed to live in this nation all of the freedoms that we have. And I know that we have struggles. I know that we have issues, but man, I feel truly blessed to be here. And and even the religious freedoms that we have, I know there's other nations that don't have those, okay? And so because of that, because we live here, uh, maybe you were born here, you gain citizenship, like we're a part of the United States of America. That's where we're at. But even in this nation, even in this nation where we're governed by the same laws and, and all of those, like we have some of the same freedoms, all of those type of things in this nation, we have different states, don't we? We have different places people live in this nation. We have places like Alaska, where I don't know why, but people that love freezing weather, I guess they go up there, right? And so they live in Alaska. They're still part of the United States, people that live in New York, people that live in California, all of them. We're part of the same nation, but for whatever preference, for job reasons, for whatever that is, they're a part of these different states in the United States of America, but they have those same freedoms. They have the same laws kind of governing them, right? And it's similar to that in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, you wouldn't look at someone from New York and say, wait, you talk different than I do. You have this weird accent, and so therefore, you're not really as American as I am. Would you? You're not going to go to someone from Alaska and say, you're weird. You love the cold, freezing weather. You're not as patriotic as I am because I really love the warm weather down here in Texas. Okay, we got it right. Or you're not going to go to someone in California and say, hey, you're not as American as me because you like earthquakes and you're willing to live out there on the coast and you should live right here in the middle of our nation. We wouldn't do that. It would be absurd. It'd be weird. You'd laugh because you're like, no, we're all part of the United States together. And that's the way it is with the church of Jesus Christ. We don't look at one another because people go to a different church and say, you know what, you use different musical instruments, you use organs and, and um, all of these kind of orchestra instruments, and we use, 
you know, we use electric guitars and we use drums. And so we're closer to Jesus than you are. That's not okay. We don't say, hey, because you read prayers and you pray prayers that have been recited by Christians for hundreds of years or even over a thousand years, and we pray prayers off the top of our head. Therefore, our religious experience, our spirituality is more meaningful than yours is you don't really know Jesus as well as we do. We don't do that. Why? Because we're all part of the same body. There's diversity in the body. Now, let me be very clear about this. You need to make sure as you're going to a church, if you're here in this church, you need to make sure that we're adhering to those orthodox, those foundational beliefs as Christians. You need to be opening up the word of God and opening up scripture and make sure that what we're teaching every Sunday from this stage, that it actually aligns with the word of God. You need to know this, but when it does, there may be different styles and there may be different preferences. You may have different likes and different dislikes. And the person um, that is in your workplace that's a Christian, they may like loud music and you may like music a little quieter. They may like prayers that are written out and you may like prayers that are kind of off the top of your head. All of that is okay as long as we're adhering to those foundational beliefs. The issue comes in church when we begin to compete against each other. When we feel like somehow we're in competition with the church across the street and we're working against them. That should never be the attitude of Christ. That's not what he wants for the body of Christ. That's not what he wants for the church, that we would somehow be divided. It's not the church that's down the street that's our competition. What's our competition? It's sin. It's addictions in people's life. It's broken marriages and broken families. It's people that are hurting. That's what we should be going after to see people healed and to see people restored, to see people made new in in who Jesus is, to see addictions broken off of them. It's not if we have a better building or better songs or better music or we pray prayers a different way than the church down the street. We're not competing against them. We're competing against the enemy, the devil, who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy people's souls. And so as the body of Christ, we should have this proper outlook that, hey, if you believe the word of God, if you're going to scripture and you're searching for truth and you're really wanting to seek out what God's word says and how you can grow, we're in this thing together. We're not against each other. And so that's why for the back to school fair, what we're doing, we have clear path, which is a church across the way in Mesquite that's a core partner with us. We have Sunnyvale Baptist that's partnering with us and serving and giving to the event, Mimosa Baptist Church. Like we have a lot of different churches with different styles and with different things. We're coming together. Why? Because we're in this thing together. We're not competing against each other. So is God okay with all these different churches? I would say, yes, God has a lot of variety. There's a lot of diversity in the church. You need to make sure that the church that you belong to, whether that's here, whether you're visiting from another church, that they're teaching the truth of the Bible. They have those foundational beliefs and that the other things that they believe align with scripture and align with the word of God. And when that's true, we're in this thing together. We're doing this thing together. We're not in competition against each other. And as we look at these different things, as we look at this idea as Christianity right and are other religions wrong as we look at this idea do all good people go to heaven or how does God feel about the different churches that we have all of these things our heart in this series is that it opens up discussion and dialogue it's that maybe this week because of something that we've said you would go to someone who's has a different worldview at your workplace and you would be able to ask them about that And as Peter says, that you would be able to give a reason. Here's why I believe what I believe. Here's how I believe 
Christianity answers some of those most meaningful, some of those powerful questions that life has to offer. This is what I believe Christianity says about this. And that as we go from week to week in this series, talking about the elephant in the room, handling these tough topics, that God would somehow open up our heart, that we would see things that we've not seen before. We would see the power of the cross in a new way. We would see who Jesus is and that we would be open to discuss with other people and praying, God, use our life. God, use what you've done inside of me to bring hope, to bring restoration to other people. God, help us to begin to bridge those relationships that may have been broken in the past. So I wanna pray for us this morning. I'm gonna ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I just wanna ask, there's anyone in the room, maybe as I've been talking, you felt God's spirit working in your heart. Maybe you've been thinking about other things. Maybe you've been questioning Christianity. Maybe you're new to church or maybe you've been coming for a while. And as I've been talking, God's spirit has been bringing clarity to why we should follow Jesus with our life. Maybe you're here and your life is broken and you've been saying, Aaron, I've been trying to be good on my own. I've been trying to do it on my own. And I'm realizing this morning as you're talking, I'm reminded that I can't do it. I'm not good enough on my own. And somehow I fall short of who God is and I desperately need him. I need to be forgiven. I need a fresh start. I need a brand new relationship with him. If that's you in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right where you're at and to come forward. I want to pray with you. The word of God is very clear. We talked about it this morning. We all miss the mark. We, none of us measure up to who God is. And in our lives, we constantly need that surrender to say, God, come cover me with your grace. God, I accept your gift on the cross. I accept what you did. God, I need your salvation. Jesus paid the price on the cross. He gave his life so that you and I could be restored into a right relationship with God. So our life could have meaning, so that our life could have purpose, so that we could experience this abundant eternal life that the scripture talks about. And if that's you with no one looking around this morning, would you just stand up right where you're at and to come forward to this altar? I want to pray with you. Jesus wants to give you a brand new start. Church, I'm gonna ask if we would all pray this together, whether you're saying it for the first time, whether you've prayed this before, repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you and I know I'm broken. I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. And so I ask for you this morning, come into my life, make me brand new, be the savior of my life, be the Lord of my life and give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name, amen. Church, can we put our hands together? And if you're up here and you've made that decision this morning, we're not gonna take long, but we just want about two or three minutes. This is Aaron right here and we're gonna head over to the green room. We just wanna talk about how to continue that, how to make that next step. We're not gonna keep you for long, but if you could follow Aaron, Right over here, um, just for a quick moment, we wanna encourage you as you continue to walk with Christ this morning. In church, while they're doing that, while they're taking a moment and doing that, I want to pray for all of us this morning. And I wanna ask that you would pray right where you're sitting at, that as we walk through this series together, as we address the elephant in the room, that God would open up that dialogue, 
The people that you know in your workplaces, we get ready to head back to school, students and young kids, that God would help you to share your faith with friends that are in your classroom, with, the, with your teacher that may not know who Jesus is, that in your workplace adults, when you're around neighbors and family and friends, that God would use what we're gonna talk about in this series to help you begin to speak life and truth to others. So let's pray together that we would be that kind of church this morning. God, I come before you. And Lord, I'm so thankful because in your word, Lord, you're not afraid of the tough topics. Lord, you're not afraid of our questions, Lord. When, even when we doubt, even when we're asking, Lord, how can this be real? God, you don't shy away. You don't run away from us, God, when we have those questions. But God, I believe your word is truth. And so help us be Christians, Lord, who are speaking your truth. But God, let it be seasoned with grace. Let it be as Peter said, God, that there's kindness and there's gentleness. There's respect, God, as we talk with other people and we share why we believe what we believe. God, open up that door in our workplace, God, in our neighborhood, around families, Lord, in our schools, God. Help us to be an example of your love. And as we do that, God, let other people experience your hope. Let them experience your salvation, God. Let them experience experience your love and that life change, God, that we have in you. Jesus, send us out this week, Lord, and help us to go in your power. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.